Company Watch Financial Analytics. Hello and welcome to the Company Watch Coronavirus Podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Joe. We are recording today's episode at lunchtime on Friday, the 11th of June. Um, we've got three broad themes, I would say, today, which Nick and I have been talking about during the course of the week. And then was very handily reinforced that these are actually the, the topics du jour, as it were, by um, a, a presentation I went to yesterday by one of the Bank of England agents that was held for the um, Institute of Chartered Accountants. And, and broadly, though, that is GDP, inflation and employment. So also quite quite timely because we had the monthly GDP figures released this morning for April. Now, as ever, we're quite cautious about these monthly numbers because they include quite a lot of um should we say experimental data? They're all they're very very subject to, to change, but they give a, a kind of direction of travel, um, if you like. So we'll have a look. And Nick has has managed in the course of a few hours this morning to to delve into the ONS report and unpick some of the the more interesting um, numbers beneath the surface. So Nick, should we start with that? What okay. what's our headline this morning? Okay, the, the headline is that um, GDP was up by two point three percent in April but it still remains 3.7% below its pre-pandemic peak mm-hmm. in February 2000. And that's broadly in line, isn't it, with what was what analysts yeah. were expecting, I think, the, um, the, the rise? Yeah, I mean, uh, breaking that down a little bit, um, the sectors, uh, the three main component sectors, services, manufacturing and construction, fared very differently mm. in the month. Services grew by 3.4%, but are still 4.1% below the pre-pandemic peak. Um, And and that was driven by effectively the reopening of the economy on the 12th of April in the UK and and a few days at the the back end of the month when non-essential retail and hospitality reopened on the 26th in Scotland. Um, So uh, those consumer-facing businesses reopening had a big impact. I mean, giving an example, um, accommodation, um, the uh, GDP contribution rose by 68.6% uh, in the month, food and beverage by 39%, and other personal services like hair and beauty, all those trips to the hairdresser and the uh, and the barber on the 12th of April, um, were up by 63%. And uh, one of the curiosities that we continue to comment about, about, about the way that uh, we calculate GDP in this country, the reopening of schools grew the contribution of education to the economy by 11.2%. And the vaccine rollout also kicked in. So that's one of the reasons why services had the best April. Yeah. Now, E&OE about its experimental data Manufacturing was down 0.3% and is now 2.4% below peak. Mm -hmm. Lot of blame in there about some uh, planned um, uh, maintenance shutdowns of um, oil extraction facilities. Construction is the curious one. Um, The construction GDP fell by 2% in the month and is uh, now back but, uh, well, it's just about level with where it was before the um, pandemic. And right. 
uh, underlying that is a is a sort of curious indicator of what might be going on with public spending, because new work was the the, the drop in new work was the main cause mm-hmm. of of the fall. Repairs and maintenance were down, but only very slightly. But if you look at the first four months in construction, so January, February, March, April, twenty twenty one. Private sector repairs and maintenance were up 6.6%. Okay. Public sector repairs and maintenance down almost 5%. 4.7%. So, so you know, and, and we're in, you know, this is the, it's the curious, end it? of the budget period. Yeah, that's the thing, because you would think that budgets would have already been allocated to um, to that repair and you'd be going to new budget year from, from April. Um, yes, and, and normally, as you would see from you know, road repairs in the first three, three four yeah. months of the year, weather permitting, the answer is you know, people, are, uh, departments are busy spending money. Spending money. Mm. In order to spend the budget it. and stop next stop uh, a low expenditure in one year being a cause for, any, uh, for a lower budget for the next year. Yeah. So that's the those are the headline numbers. What what is interesting though is that that two point three percent growth in the month, I mean, would undoubtedly be an extraordinary figure in normal times. But if you compare it, if you look at April as being a a coming out of lockdown month, yeah, the end of the third lockdown, mm-hmm. then the growth was two point three percent. You compare it with July last year, which was yeah. the end of the end first, of the, first lockdown, lockdown. the growth was 7.3% in the month. I mean, they're not strictly comparison, shorter periods. A lower, lower base. base. Yeah. <coughs> I think it's interesting. So, and I, and I think you, you made that point that the, of course, the, the opening in July last year was from the 4th of July. The opening in, in April this year was middle of the month 12th. and later for, for Scotland. So um, yeah, we have got a little bit of lag to, um, to make up. It's interesting. Yeah, and, and, now, Sorry, Nick, you, you go on. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's also interesting that um, various people have commented that the at the end of Q1, so the end of March, um, the UK economy was further behind its pre-pandemic position than any other G20 economy. Mm. Now, this, again, we I always struggle with this because we know that international figures are, there are problems comparing them because of this um, method of measuring outputs for certain sectors that we've mentioned like education and um and healthcare and so on whereas most countries will measure input um uh, costs and so on but even so if you look at the kind of comparative we're talking about uk to uk figures compared to us or france or germany or whatever exactly. so there is there should be some meaningful um conclusion to be drawn from from that yeah there? there should be there should be and the questions that came into my mind about this being a little bit um uh, divisive and um, uh, uh, disruptive about this is why are we taking longer to longer to recover than other G20 economies? And is it the over reliance on services and consumer spending? Is it structural issues with poor productivity? Is it Brexit? Is it poor management of the pandemic uh, until the vaccine rollout began this year? Probably all of the above and other things mm. as, as well. But the indication is because the OECD said that we were having going to have the most um, robust recovery of any major economy. But nonetheless, we well, were thank goodness take lo- we are given that I, I know. <laughs> but, but so far nonetheless, we're going to take longer to get back to where we were than in any other major economy. So um, interesting. Uh, and one last little snippet out of the ONS data uh, came out this morning. 
and you'll forgive us, we're back to Brexit again here. Yeah, this is interesting, the trade figures, isn't it, that that were published? Trading goods, not services, trading Mm -hmm. goods in the first four months of 2021 compared to 2019, Mm -hmm. so entirely pre-pandemic, pre-Brexit, trade with the EU is down 25%. And, and that's a rest, combination, isn't it? Imports, exports, it's kind of, yeah, kind of aggregated it's, position. It's both ways. Mm. And a non-EU, it's down 4%. If you look at April on its own, um, April 21 versus April 19, trade with the EU is down 12%. The rest of the world is up 3%. So anybody that tells you that the 25% drop I just quoted for the first four months all happened in January isn't looking at the numbers. Yeah. So that's yeah, and, and, still and obviously we've got more, and we, as we know, there are more, um, more issues to come up. I think over the coming days, weeks, months, um, on on yeah. implementation of the protocols and, and so on. It is interesting. Well, let's move on then to. Should we go to inflation? Yeah. Next? yeah. So it's all tied together, isn't it? As we were we were doing our prep. It, yeah. <laughs> where do we start? Because everything kind of circles back to, to yeah. Each everything, other. everything goes round and round and round, and and. Um, I'll talk about the detail of inflation and labour shortage in a minute, but there is no doubting that there are some very um, fundamental things happening underlying those GDP numbers, those changes in the the numbers. Um, Whether both the rise in inflation and the emergence of chronic labour shortages all over the economy are temporary or longer term, I don't think we can judge at the moment. I mean, the and every central banker in the world is is um, hiding, but you know, he's got head almost below the parapet, mm. saying, "Oh, it's only temporary." I mean, and that was certainly the message coming from the Bank of England um, briefing that I had yesterday. Was that in fact it's temporary, and there these are temporary um, issues. We might peak at two point five percent inflation at the end of the year, but we'll we'll drop back. That was, and then they, there was interesting. There was a poll for the um, for the participants on the on the call, um, and what was my my figure? Forty eight percent thought that the bank was being too optimistic on its um, <laughs> on its view of inflation. So there we are. There's some anecdotal evidence on that. Yeah, but wherever you look, you know, we've we've got inflation um, rising. Interesting. The British Retail Consortium uh, said yesterday that they expected that um, a cocktail of rising global food prices, increased shipping costs, and the impact of import checks and documentation Mm. were all combined to put pressure on supermarket prices. Or if you are the cynic that I have been for many years about these things, it won't put pressure on supermarket prices, it'll put pressure on the profitability of the supply chain. So I think it's well worth, um, if if you have risk in the supply chain, for the major um, grocery uh, players, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye Absolutely. on it. I mean, that hasn't changed. I mean, when I was the senior in charge of the audit of a major supermarket, uh, a major retail group, uh, back in 1971 and 72, the answer is the supply chain was paid the price for, for problems with profitability mm. back then. Nothing's changed in 50 years. Um, the 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 place where the most uh, vocal complaints about inflation are coming out of is the construction sector. And it's interesting, we just talked about a downturn yeah. in activity levels. Um, the 
survey by the CIPD and market that comes in every month, the PMI, Purchase yeah, Managers Index, mm-hmm. survey for May came out this week. And construction cost input inflation is the highest since records began in 1997. Wow. So that's, rising, that's rising raw material. Um, rising raw material costs. And, and bear in mind, this is an industry that operates on wafer-thin margins mm. if it's operating on any margin at all. You know, there's a very good reason why the construction sector has uh, almost four times the rate of inflation that it has a share of the GDP. And sorry, the, inf- the failure rate, you mean? The, the failure rate, the, yeah. the insolvency mm. rate, I'm sorry. Um, and uh, the other factor that uh, came out from the PMI survey was that supplier delivery times in construction had lengthened significantly in May, and it represented uh, what they describe as the worst vendor performance, i.e. supplier delivery performance, on record since 1997. Wow. So, um, you know... And again, it comes back to this question, is this a temporary problem? You know, I like your your analogy, wasn't it? The supply chain feedback loop where container is all in the wrong places and that kind of puts pressure on prices. So, and you know, if, if that is a temporary issue that is resolved in a few months time then we could see things normalizing but if it isn't then that is where it really starts to become a a problem so the longer this goes on for however temporary it might be actually it does have a a kind of longer lasting effect on on inflation yes and and it's worth noting that um, consumer prices in states were up five percent year on year Mm. in may and that's up from 4.2 percent in April, and that rate of increase is now inflation is now the highest since two thousand and eight. And now let's let's now move on to our next part, which is so closely tied with this. Yes, which is employment, unemployment. So again, the the bank um, yesterday was saying that the thing that they are most concerned about in terms of inflation is the wage pressure, the upward pressure on yep. on wages, and there seems to be. You know, you look at the unemployment is is high, and yet the labour shortages. There's been yeah. a quite interesting article on the BBC this morning. Talk, I'm picking that a little bit more. I know you've got you've got quite a bit more to say on on that, um, Nick. So, yeah, but, but what's your but, take on on this? Well, and by the way, I think it might be worth putting that link yes, out there to the BBC yeah. because it's a it's a wide ranging um, piece. There's also a fascinating uh, article in the Guardian back on the sixth of uh, June which was looking at whether there has been a philosophical change in workers' attitudes to employment. Mm. Um, that, that, yeah. that, as you would expect from The Guardian, it is coming at it from a, <laughs> from a, a sort of rather intellectual uh, point of view. Good on it for, uh, for, for doing that. But, you know, I just cast around, and, and wherever you look, you find extraordinary examples I mean, my favourite restaurant in London, um, although not that I can afford it very often, is Le Gavroche, which, which uh, the, the Rue Brothers, as was um, sadly uh, lost, uh, passed away recently, has dropped lunchtime trading because they cannot, even Le Gavroche cannot mm. recruit the right calibre and the right quantity of staff to uh, to trade both lunchtime and the evening. So they dropped lunchtime. Uh, A friend of mine going to Cornwall um, uh, the week after next, booked into a pub in Cornwall, ignoring the impact of the G7 down in Cornwall, (laughs) booked into a pub in 
in Cornwall has had the booking cancelled because the pub can't recruit enough staff to be able to open seven days a week. Yeah. It's only going to open four days a week and it will not offer accommodation. And that's even in summer, you know, even as we're allowed and, to open. And in the year weather. of the great staycationing, you know, yeah. the great... Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, looking at it, it's a, these are those are sort of folksy examples. I mean, the Road Haulage Association says that it has lost 15,000 drivers since the start of the year, since Brexit kicked in. Mm. Um, the overall short, shortfall of HGV drivers is now 70,000, and pay rates for drivers have gone up by 20 to 30%. Wow. Um, on that. And we talked a little um, bit about this, I think, last time, didn't we? About the um, about the again feeds into to prices, as we were, yeah. we were, we were saying. Yeah, I mean the um, uh, research in retail um, again published in the Telegraph this week. One in three major retail brands is struggling to fill roles. Forty-two percent of smaller retailers are struggling to find staff. Um, uh, the B and M discount chain is encountering um, supply issues uh, in terms of keeping inventory levels up uh, in its stores because of the chronic shortage of HGV mm. drivers. So everything leads in every everywhere else. Um, construction recruitment, again, that PMI survey highlighted that because uh, labour shortages have been a problem in construction for a very long yes, time. Yeah. But uh, the, the survey um, purchasing managers uh, survey said it's getting worse. Food processing, a real problem with finding labour. The obvious one, um, vegetable and fruit picking, yeah. mm-hmm. is, a, is, is a problem. Um, and I happened to get some feedback from you know, another of my focus sectors, uh, residential care, this morning from um, a, a an online get-together of the major care providers. Um Care home operators are now getting worried because as hospitality opens up and as hospitality is across the board offering more money to recruit labour, you know, as 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 apparently one of them put it um, put it to the meeting, you know, if you're a if you're a care worker earning ten pounds an hour changing incontinence pads, and you can get fifteen pounds an hour for serving serving drinks in a pub, what will you do? Yeah. So what this uh, suggests to me is we're going to go into a period where there's going to be arbitrage between different sectors. So so um, and, and, you know, another factor going on here is, you know, look at hospitality. A third of hospitality workers change jobs every year. That isn't happening yeah. because, because of the furlough scheme. Yeah. Why would you change jobs if you're being paid to sit at home and do nothing? Mm. So there is so there is now a lack of mobility, which has always been a feature in that uh, in, in in that sector. And what this tells me is that the Bank of England is absolutely right to be worried about labour rates. Yeah. And of course, if you if you if you twin that with what we've talked about on on inflation, what you're looking at is something that reminds me irresistibly of the madness in the in the retail sector for many, many, many years, where the only thing anybody cared about was the top line. 
you know, the newspapers were full of uh, of, of CEOs of major um, uh, retail chains trumpeting their like-for-like sales growth, and nobody ever talked about the bottom line. And whether well, they're actually making any money. Yeah, I mean, that, any that's money. the point. So, mm. so are we arriving at a point, hopefully temporarily, where, you know, the, the, the world is looking at what's happening to GDP growth and the climb back to the pre-pandemic level, but if we arrive there with rampant inflation and uh, and, and labour shortages and labour uh, rates going up, uh, you know, the entire economy may fall into the, the accusation that I used to make against those retail CEOs of, you know, what's the point of being a busy fool? It's no good if your top line is back to where it was uh, 18, 18 months or two years ago, if you're not making any money. Yeah. And it just makes then those those that, that that puts companies on such a vulnerable footing, then vulnerable to any like, like puff of wind mm. blows these companies over because they they just have nothing to to fall back on. It's all it's yeah, all and, being eaten and, up. And, and of course, it feeds back into um, something I was writing about yesterday um, about managing growth as we come out of the the pandemic and the problem that as you come out of the pandemic, um, what it's easy in the pursuit of getting back to uh, previous activity levels. It's easy to forget that your customer base is now almost certainly more financially fragile than it was mm. beforehand. And remembering the old adage that if you have a £10,000 bad debt and your profit margin is 10%, you've got to do £100,000 worth of business. Yeah. If uh, labour uh, infl- labor rate inflation and general inflation is pushing your margin down to 5%, now you've got to do 200,000. You've got to do twice as much business yeah. to get to cl- claim. So it makes um, uh, credit decision-making even more vital as if it wasn't already. Well, I think on that note, that's a, I've got a good um, place to, to draw our, our thoughts on this to, to a close. We will um, obviously be looking at these um, issues more over the, the coming weeks. Um, we're, as we're getting into to summer, I suppose we're, we're slightly going to be playing around with our, our schedules as, as um, things start getting a bit busier. Um, so we may be dropping into your podcast feeds at slightly um, unusual times, but bear with us. We, we, are, we are recording. We will be back. Thank you so much, Nick, as ever, for your um, excellent contribution. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.